The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for all the programming we have available for you 24 7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Exonation, my guest this hour is Robert Kopecki. He survived a traumatic childhood and then traveled extensively, living a variety of lives, until becoming an award-winning illustrator, art director, and animation designer for the New York Times, PBS Kids, and many others. His unusual path was punctuated by three dramatic, distinctly different near-death experiences, all of which he obviously survived. Joining me now is Robert Kopecki. And Robert, welcome to the X-Zone. Well, thanks very much, Rob. It's nice to be back on the X-Zone. It's nice having you with us again, my friend. Um, tell our listeners who didn't hear your interview with us the last time about the traumatic experiences that you had that led you to writing your book. Um, sure, yeah. Well, I mean, the traumatic part of that was my childhood, which was difficult. And from that, <clears throat> I kind of spun off into mm-hmm. a life of, of a searcher, in a way, and lived all these different kinds of lives and had different careers and stuff before settling down in the art world. But I had been, uh, I'd been working as an artist, as an illustrator, and an art director mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, and was living there with my first wife when my first near-death experience happened. And that was a single car accident that happened on an unfamiliar stretch of road when I had a malfunction of my cassette player, which I should tell you around when that took place. It was back in the mid-80s. And uh, I glanced off an oddly parked car while I was messing around with my broken tape and went straight into a telephone pole going 35 or 40 miles an hour and broke out the windshield with my head and broke the steering wheel with my face, unfortunately. And the very next instant, I found myself at the top of of the light pole that I hit, basically looking down at the scene of the wrecked car. And I saw a body kind of hanging out of it. And I could look over hedges and bushes into people's yards and see people running out. And they called an ambulance, and I watched them load who I realized was me into the ambulance. I, um, I never felt alone. I felt as though there were a presence with me. I felt completely liberated from my sort of material body and material constraints and had that experience that many near-death experiencers have of being enfolded in this kind of expansive, illuminative matrix of loving intelligence, kind of, you know, that mm-hmm. being hugged by God, kind of. And then I was shepherded off to a... Um, to sort of a pastoral place, kind of like nature or a park or something, as I recall, and had a kind of an interview with an entity that I can't really describe to you. I try not to elaborate on some of these memories because they're pretty old now, but just to, you know, to give it to you like I really remember it as having happened. And uh, we discussed important things. I can't remember exactly what, but I think it was about, you know, who I had been and what I could be, that sort of thing. 
And I, I came to about 20 hours after the original accident in a hospital with my head heavily bandaged and returned back a week and a half or so later to, uh, to examine the neighborhood and discovered that I really uh, could see back into people's yards and stuff, things that I, I couldn't have seen from the street level at all. And, and uh, I confirmed that having been out of body, so I call that out of body sure. experience uh, the gift of perspective. What was it like? How did you feel when you realized that you were actually had died, had had a near-death experience, and that the the scenery that you saw when you were having this experience was real, and you had experienced the real thing. How did you feel? Well, it was interesting because back in those days, there were there was not a great deal of interest. There weren't any well-known mm-hmm. near-death experiencers to speak of, and the people that had first started studying it, like Dr. Uh, um, Raymond Moody or Kenneth Ring or... or um, PMH Atwater, I think they just had their first books out, and not many people knew about it. So when I described this first to my wife at the time and to other friends at the time, too, uh, they just kind of looked at me funny, you know? Uh, Nobody really was on board with it. They thought I had hit my head awfully hard, which I, of course, I had. Sure. (laughs) But um, I didn't find a community of like-minded experiences or anything like that, so I, I basically just went back into my regular life and kind of suppressed it. How long did it take before you were able to talk about it openly? Uh, you know, it was many, many years later, because I had, I had my second near-death experience then, uh, probably six or seven years later, I had, uh, I had been traveling a lot. Like a lot of near-death experiencers, I had trouble sort of fitting into my life after mm-hmm. that out-of-body experience. And uh, my first wife and I traveled around the world, uh, it, going to a lot of kind of spiritual places, uh, ruins and temples and the like, without really thinking we were spiritual people at all. When we, when we came back to... Uh, when we came back to, to the United States, I was present at the uh, bedside of a, of a dear aunt of mine when she died. She'd been very important in my childhood. And that knocked me kind of out of my tracks uh, even further. And I ended up leaving my marriage and going to New York City and living this kind of nocturnal, self-destructive lifestyle for a while. It led to this experience I had um, where I basically just as kind of cascading toxic effects of my life, I collapsed on the floor of my apartment and was essentially paralyzed from the neck down. And at the same time, a brilliant white cloud filled into the room. Mm -hmm. And once again, I was liberated from my kind of material, physical self. I felt completely free and wonderful, really, like I was enfolded and supported in this kind of field of love. And not alone again, as though somebody were telling me to look in this particular direction, and in the midst of this cloud, a kind of a a screen opened up. It was sort of like a three-dimensional box of time, is how I remember it. And it began to play these scenes, these very uh, sort of um, pivotal moments, not uh, not wonderful memories, not the not the best hits, <laughs> the greatest hits, real, uh, and. I witnessed these four, five, maybe six of these scenes uh, that I only have sketchy memories of, but I realized in that instant that everything happens in our life in this moment, and and that I call uh, the gift of presence. Um, With that, the woman that I was with at the time was very, very upset, and I could hear her screaming, and her voice kind of entered into this whole scene, and it faded out, and I was back on the floor of my apartment. Uh, that was just an hour or two in its entire passage. But I came back with that gift of presence. That's what I call it in the new book. Tell me about your third near-death experience. Uh, that occurred uh, a number of years later. It's, you know, it's, I still didn't have anybody to really talk to about this, mm-hmm. and I didn't really search people out. I, uh, I was really in the grips of kind of my material life. I, I I didn't know uh, how to fit this in with what I was trying to do in my life, and I ended up 
blowing relationships and leaving town. I left New York City and moved out to the desert in Arizona to kind of try to get a hold of things. And I met somebody there and ended up um, getting engaged. I was going back and forth between New York and the small town in Arizona uh, when I was on a payphone in this small town and was attacked by a skinhead. Oh, brother. Like a, a big guy who seemed kind of intoxicated, and he started to assault me sort of violently, and I got in a scuffle with him. And when I made good my escape, I didn't realize there was a whole van full of, of these guys, and I was on a bicycle. They drove up alongside of me and hit me in the back of the head with uh, maybe a crowbar or something oh, like good that. Oh, Lord. Knocked me headfirst into the curb, and then according to the police report, they proceeded to stomp and kick me for the worst part of an hour or so. And in that one, I was, again, launched into this extra-dimensional experience. Uh, this time I had a little more sense of the physical reality around me, but I was in a very safe, uh, warm place. It wasn't as celestial as the other two times. It was a little bit more like a subterranean almost. But I was surrounded by a group of uh, other entities that that pushed me back into life because I had not fulfilled my purpose. All right, we're going to have to take a little bit of break here, and when we come back, we'll continue with our very special guest this hour, Exonation. Robert Kopecki is his name, and his website is www.robertkopecki.com. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand worldwide and more does this sound like tomorrow's television well it is but you can have it today right now it is simul tv simul tv offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like exxon sci-fi and horror we are worldwide no other provider offers that 500 built-in video games no need to have an extra expensive system we have them included free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. 
Robert Kopecki is my guest this hour. Exonation, www.robertkopecki.com. And we're talking about Robert's book, How to Get to Heaven Without Really Dying. Once again, robertkopecki.com. Now, Robert, in the three near-death experiences that you had, were there many similarities? Well, there were, there were similarities to other near-death experiences. You know, mm-hmm. each, each one, the out-of-body experience, the life review, and the being forced back into life, as I was explaining, I was kind of like pushed back yeah. into this world, uh, so to speak, which uh, gave me the gift of what I call the gift of purpose. Those three formats are things that a lot of near-death experiencers uh, have, uh, share. Mm-hmm. The details of all of uh, near-death experiences are often quite different. And I suppose that if I had gone to the same place in each of my three near-death experiences, I, I would have just expected that heaven was a particular location, or like going to another location on a different planet or something in a different dimension. But what it really was was these... Um, these kind of teaching episodes that were created by where I was in my life. So mm-hmm. the near-death experiences are really custom-made to their experiencers. You know, as I've, as I've studied about it, it become part of the community of near-death experiencers that I've inadvertently, really, over the last couple of years since the first book. I've discovered a lot of things about these and heard a lot of stories and, you know, a lot of them really depend on who the person is and what their cultural upbringing is. And, in fact, near-death experiences have a certain kind of exclusivity in that regard. You know, Christians will have Christian experiences, and Hindus will have Hindu experiences, and Buddhist Buddhist experiences, that sort of thing. And so we apparently have some kind of pattern recognition or some kind of information or data about ourselves that we take across into this other dimension, and then we use to report on when we come back these kind of, um, you know, archetypes or, or symbols or aspects of the, our culture and our personal experience. Do you think that these near-death experiences are part of our, 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 our voyage through life and that these are planned events? Well, you know, I imagine that they probably are in a way because of that second near-death experience mm-hmm. I had, the life review, where I witnessed these sort of boxes of time, you know, these uh, moments that had passed many years before that right. I hadn't been really present for. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly, it seems that, you know, there is a relationship to time that is experienced in a completely different way in other dimensions. That, here we experience it as a function of our biological form, but uh, in in other dimensions, I believe that we're extra-dimensional beings, obviously, that, that uh, time and space are completely different things. And so all of these things, I think, can be put together uh, in that kind of a way at one time, uh, and... I think that explains things like synchronicities, too, for example, in your life, where you'll meet somebody and it seems like you know them already, and there's some meaningful coincidence that's very powerful, that kind of thing. So I think there's a lot of evidence for for what you're saying, yeah. You know, while your two books talk about near-death, dying, and the afterlife, they really seem to be more about how to live this mortal life. Why is that? Well, because I didn't notice that big of a difference, to, mm-hmm. to tell you the truth. I mean, right. there are aspects of, uh, of these other lives that I entered into that are fantastic and kind of surrealistic, and there is that experience of this transcendent sense of total connectedness and this innate understanding of, of my purpose and that feeling of being enfolded into this kind of field and love, of love and stuff like that. But it's still, I was still alive there. I was still obviously sort of seeing it through my own eyes. So moving from one to the other or back uh, was really just kind of like stepping into a, a room. So whatever, whatever life we are living, mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to experience uh, those heavenly feelings, those kind of feelings we associate with heaven, or hellish feelings for that matter, and that certainly can happen uh, in this life. I think most of us have had tastes of each of that, and this book is really about how 
to align yourself with those experiences that we consider heavenly. But for those of us who have not had a near-death experience, how do we validate its very existence? Well, you know what, that's a difficult thing to say because, of course, all spiritual experience is essentially anecdotal in nature. You know, there really, uh, there really isn't uh, any spiritual experience that isn't just brought back by the experiencer, whether mm-hmm. it's a near-death experience or some other kind of astral travel or, or uh, remote viewing of things or, or um, transpersonal communications with people, these remarkable coincidences and the like. You know, they really are, are very difficult to document uh, yes. entirely. So an awful lot of it just uh, it has to do with, I think, the the volume of it. You know, there are there are millions of near-death experiencers. Uh, uh, Dr. Pim Van Lommel, a Dutch cardiologist, uh, did a study at his hospital in the, uh, the Netherlands and of 2,500 people, I think it was, and determined about 15% of cardiac arrest patients have near-death experiences, uh, of some of them of the same motifs that, that mine were. So... Having done research into the near-death experience with the different associations and having written your book, is there a common thread between those who have had the near-death experiences? And have you done any research into those who have had traumatic industry uh, industries, uh, accidents, who have not had near-death experiences as to come to a basic conclusion on why some people do and some people don't no you know i don't i can't really figure that out uh, for sure why that happens or or why it doesn't for different people um the thing that does seem obvious to me given and really i can only speak from my own experiences is that um each one was uniquely tailored it was sort of custom made to where I was in my life, <clears throat> what I was <clears throat> possibly open to experience in a way. I see. Um, and so I entered into these uh, um, these kind of uh, places of extra dimensionality where I was shown things, and part of the part of each experience was was this kind of authenticity or humility that allowed me to become teachable and receive mm-hmm. this kind of. Um, Guidance, that's a big part, I think, of the after afterlife experience for a lot of people. Um, but why certain people will have them and others won't, I don't know. I know a guy who was in a coma for a couple of weeks, and uh, he's fascinated by the fact that I, I had three uh, experiences, and he didn't have any. He was just out. He was unconscious. He doesn't remember anything of having uh, any kind of extra-dimensional activity whatsoever, or even dreams for that matter. So it's a mystery to me, but, you know, the whole thing is really kind sure. of a mystery. That's <laughs> is it possible that one's belief in spirituality has a big, uh, uh, a big part that plays in a near-death experience? Well, I've, I've asked myself that question a number of times, but I mm. didn't really have a spiritual upbringing in, in uh, any uh, institutional or traditional way. I didn't uh, go to church at all as wow. a kid. My parents didn't take me. I wasn't really exposed to um, this kind of overt spirituality like psychics mm. or anything like that in, in my family or in my experience. I was drawn my whole life to, to places that turn out to have spiritual significance. You know, I, yeah. I explored the Mayan underworld before it was uh, on uh, ecotourists' itineraries a long, long time ago, and uh, looked for tiki in the South Pacific and, and went to these temples and cathedrals and stuff. I was a, a fan in my youth of Carlos Castaneda. I grew up on the border with Mexico in, in uh, eastern San Diego County. And so I was kind of aware of uh, a lot of these sort of spiritual approaches of indigenous people and the like, um, but I didn't really have a great grounding in it. Not certainly not enough to um, to create some kind of uh, hardwired uh, uh, spiritual uh, 
data bank that would activate when I had these uh, catastrophes happen. Right. Um, I really feel like uh, I was knocked out of this life and into a, a, an extra-dimensional experience of, of another life. I'm still basically the same life, but uh, someplace else and in another kind of form. Stand by. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Robert, thank you very much for joining us. Very interesting topic. And Exonation, if you'd like more information about our guest, Robert Kopecki, and how you can find out how you can get your very own copy of How to Get to Heaven Without Really Dying, visit Robert's website at www.robertkopecki.com. That's www.robertkopecki.com. Dot com. And for all of you who've been sending me emails right, left, and center about when is the next edition of the X Chronicles newspaper going to be available online at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com, the answer is this weekend, my friends. And as always, the X Chronicles newspaper is free of charge. That's right, we want as many people as possible to read it. Please share it with your friends. 92 full colored pages. And uh, once again, that website is www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. And I'd also like to say hello to all our friends listening to us right now in St. Helens, Oregon on AM 1600 KOHI. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Robert Kopecki and I will be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, 
they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Robert Kopecki is our special guest, www.robertkopecki.com, and he's the author of How to Get to Heaven Without Really Dying. And Robert, uh, the, the subtitle, Without Really Dying, where does that come into the picture? <laughs> That's the important part, I think. <laughs> That's the most important part uh, for readers. Um, certainly, I don't want anybody to follow my example. <laughs> But uh, uh, just to explore the book and the means that I have for, mm. for getting us to that kind of state of being that I'm talking about, engaging in the true spiritual nature that I discovered in, in these uh, near-death experiences, and then uh, being able to experience life with less fear and more grace and more joy, having those feelings of being uh, supported part of an expansive uh, field of this illuminative loving intelligence Mm -hmm. that's available to us uh, every once in a while. We can maybe grow that in our lives and developing a transcendent sense of total connectedness and an understanding of the sort of sacred nature of all of life and removing the obstacles to to the things we want to do and and to experiencing love, that kind of stuff. Uh, So... It's uh, it's available to us here without having to to go to all the trouble I went to, but it does seem that the, that um, you know our soul does seem to require a death experience uh, to go to heaven, and that's not necessarily an actual death experience where something terrible happens to you physically or a disease or something, but mm-hmm. also these kinds of passages I think in our life where. Uh, we lose something of great importance, a relationship, or somebody dies, or we lose a job, or have to move from some place. We we go through these sorts of passages in our life that sometimes ground us back in our sort of authentic self without any of the trappings that we thought. That's what happened to me. I it, the three near death experiences didn't really do it. Incredibly, didn't didn't make the big change in my life. It was a couple years after the third one where sort of everything in my life kind of fell apart and stopped working, and I had this uh, dark night of the soul, so to speak. And I came out of the other side of that uh, in a more sort of authentic state with maybe a little more real humility, which I think is is what these death experiences give us and, and what's kind of necessary to experience heaven. You know, there are certain... There are certain things, you know, like... What do you think of when you think of heaven, Rob? Well, person, personally, yeah, I, I think of of a staircase going up. I, I think of what I've been taught as, as a Christian, you know, where there's the, the, the gate, the golden gates. You've got St. Peter there, and he's going to look at his book, and he's going to say, wait a minute, I, we've got to go to the library and get your 14,000 volumes out here, McConnell. <laughs> and, and he'll take he'll take uh, several years going through thumbing, and he'll say, "Hmm, I don't know about this." And, and then a guard page twelve thousand. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and and then of course you go the the gates open up, you go in, and you're greeted by your your departed loved ones, both animal and and human. And uh, I don't I don't know. Instead of a harp, I sure hope I can get a guitar because I can't play a harp, but I can't play a guitar. <laughs> But I, I well, think I, it all I, depends on your on the way that you were taught and your perception of heaven as you were as you were led to believe as a child. Yes, absolutely. And I think that those things are true. You know what the experiences that I had were very realistic. They mm. were very real. And the experiences that I hear from other near death uh, survivors, it's the same thing, regardless of how different the details might be. Right. So I think that you will and do bring the package of information that you are karmically to the experience of the next world. But aside from there being a staircase and a gate and those kinds of particular trappings, um, I think that also what's common with all of this are these this great feeling of love of this mm-hmm. you know absolute kind of field of love. 
And for me, I know uh, without having had St. Peter's Gate and stuff like that as as a convention to to go by, I always imagined that everybody in heaven would be really nice, yeah, and that everybody would be honest, you know, everybody would be humble uh-huh. and forgiving and compassionate, and everybody would help you without any uh, concern about getting anything out of it, you know, that, that there would be a spirit of service kind of, and so. Um, I propose in the book, in the first part, to to achieve the kind of spiritual perspective of heaven, of this experience of heaven, and to help bring it into our lives here, that if if we follow those kinds of principles that, that we might consider to be heavenly characteristics, like kindness and honesty and humility and forgiveness and compassion and service, that we can recreate or create a sense of that here and now. Let me ask you something, my friend. When you had your first and second experiences, and and the and the interest in near-death experience wasn't as well known as it is today, how did you cope with that frustration? That, you know, here you had this experience that was not publicly known by so many, and yet here you had an experience, a life-changing experience, a life-altering experience. How did you cope? Yeah, it's funny because I used to say that they didn't uh, they didn't change me very much those experiences. Mm-hmm. But you know, looking back on it now with with what I know, I realize that they really did have a, a tremendous effect on me. And and the fact was, it was frustrating. It was very aggravating. I would imagine there, so. After the first one, there was nobody that I could really talk to. I felt like it was something that I experienced on my own and that I would have to deal with on my own. The implications of it were kind of too large for me to wrap my arms around or mm-hmm. to incorporate into my life at the time. And I think I, I think I might have defaulted to a very material kind of a life as a result of it. I kind of I kind of snapped back the other direction, you know, to try to suppress it and, and grab a hold of, of sensory experiences. You know, I, I wanted to kind of live bigger and have more, and I became sort of more materialistic in a way. And as that didn't work for me either to, to find this kind of heaven in my heart that we're talking about, um, and then the second near-death experience happened, uh, I was I was pretty knocked out of my tracks in a lot of ways. That's probably why I ended up having this this dark night of the soul is because mm-hmm. my life really kind of fell apart. You know, my career seemed to end. My second marriage ended. Uh, I A lot of my friends were out of my life. I was in a place that I hadn't imagined I would ever be, you know, that just did not, wasn't my fantasy ever. And I found myself having to rearrange my world based on a, a on a kind of a absolute humility that I, I reached at that point. So that was the kind of ego death that I think I, I required, you know. And, uh, so that was the way that I ended up dealing with it. I From that point on, my life turned around. I became a meditator. And <laughs> all these things I never yeah. dreamt of, right? I started studying ancient texts and stuff and almost became essentially religious and started volunteering in a hospital and, and um, meditating all the time. And I became a vegetarian, you know, just like a complete transformation took place after that. So it sounds like your near-death experience was actually a rebirth experience. Well, yeah, it, it, you know, it was, and it's interesting around this... Um, around Easter time, mm-hmm. because I'll have people say to me, oh, hey, resurrection, you know, aren't you Mr. Three Times kind of thing? <laughs> and um, I, have to, I have to say that, that the, the Easter, Easter time and the resurrection experience mm-hmm. for me is that of a metaphysical nature. You know, it, it was what happened when clinging to the forms of this world to to sensory experience and material possessions and things like that did not work for me anymore. The sort of horizontal experience of life like that stopped working for me. 
and it's a, it's kind of like the cross at Easter. There's this there's a horizontal temporal aspect, a material aspect, and then there's the vertical in the cross right. that points towards heaven. Mm-hmm. And that was then what picked me up and carried me to this kind of uh, transcending the delusion of separateness, so to speak. You know where I. I became to feel at one with everything and a kind of a peace and grace and joy in my life that I'd never had before. A lot of the people that I've had the the pleasure of speaking to have who have had experience near death experiences all tell me that they fear death no more. I yes, that's true. I don't fear death, but please don't ask me to prove it right now. No, I I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Because I am in human form, and I'm, you know, as this is the thing is, the form of being human mitigates all mm-hmm. the experience here, and it's a great part of our instinct to want to stay alive and to fear death. So it's not that I don't fear death, because I do. I'm not looking forward uh, to any of that again, although I do know what's on the other side, so to speak. I've peeked behind the curtain a couple of times, and I know that we were alive before we're born and we'll be alive after we die. It's just that when I'm in human form, I I naturally experience the instincts of a human. You and I have to take our final break. I was going to ask you a question, but I think it was would be better spent on the other side this way here. I don't have to okay. interrupt you. Robert Kopecki is our special guest, Nation. www.robertkopecki.com. Dot com is his website, and uh, we're talking to Robert this hour about near-death experiences, as well as his new book entitled How to Get to Heaven Without Really Dying. Once again, his website is www.robertkopecki.com. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and once again, for our good friends at the Digital Broadcast Network, they're looking for psychics, mediums, tarot card readers, and all other practitioners of the divination arts for a new TV series that they are working on. And if you'd like to um, apply or put in your information to the casting call, go to www.digitalbroadcastnetwork.ca. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. 
When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From out of the woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. Hey, whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern as we take this fascinating trip across the across the cosmos to a place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard, and we're heard around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, and iHeartRadio. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Robert Kopecki. His website is robertkopecki.com. And we're talking to Robert about his book, How to Get to Heaven Without Really Dying. And um, first of all, Robert, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a great pleasure talking to you. Um, When it comes to the other people who have had near-death experiences, who contact you, who are able to share their stories with someone who who understands what they've gone through and what they're going through, how can you best help them? You know, it's it, that's it's great to be around those people. You know, that was something like I mentioned. It was yeah. my, completely inadvertent for me. I had I had not even thought about becoming part of a near death community. Well, let let me stop you there. Out. Let me stop you there. When you say, uh, is it possible that this was all part of the plan in order for you to have this experience? You're a very artistic person, and I have found that those who have a talent as a as an artist, a musician, a, a writer, a poet, a musician, have more of these experiences than anyone else because they can better relate the experiences. So is it possible that the three death experiences that you had were no accident, but they were part of a plan so that you, Robert Kopecki, would have the ability to help these people and to help others who may not have yet had had a near-death experiences who but who might experience one? Well, yeah, sure, sure. Of course, I believe that, and and I go into that in the third part of the book, the purpose part mm-hmm. of the book, based on the being forced back into life because I hadn't done it right, and there were things I needed to do. You know that that we all have this kind of mission that we have been tailoring, that we have been custom building with our creation of our life karma, kind of the causes and effects, and. Uh, for a lot of people, it seems like uh, you know they're stumbling around. I certainly did for a long time stumble around with what my purpose was in this life, but I think in many ways that it's uh, it's right in front of us. You know, these mm-hmm. I started having these experiences with other uh, near-death survivors, and you know, with people dealing and coping with death or with oncoming death or with the death of loved ones. I've worked with people like that too quite a bit, and it, it, there it is. It's right in front of you. You know. What are you good at? Uh, what form of expression is natural to you that people appreciate and want you to do? What do people want you to do for them? What do they ask of you? Um, what are your responsibilities? What are your great life responsibilities calling you mm-hmm. to, to be to people that you love in your life or that are expecting or, or needing your, your help and assistance? whether they're parts of your family or somebody you just meet on the street, you know, there's, there's this, always this opportunity for us to, uh, to express this kind of loving divine consciousness that we're all part of and to uh, evolve, to grow, to expand our consciousness and to hopefully bring that into the world and pick others up with us and, and uh, then to uh, experience love, which of course I think is, you know, at the, at the bottom of everything, pretty much. How has the experiences that you've had, the near-death experiences, 
changed your life? What are, what are some of the most dramatic changes that you yourself, Robert, have noticed in your life that would not have been made if it not had been for these three near-death experiences? Well, as I, as I mentioned, you know, Rob, my, my life completely turned mm-hmm. around and became a totally different thing than what it had been. I, I it really turned 180 degrees around and I started experiencing in a whole different way. And a lot of that has to do with these, these three lessons that I'm using all the time in my life right now to have that kind of experience with heaven. And that is the spiritual perspective that I got from that, that first experience where I'm able to witness uh, people as uh, spirits coming through the vehicle of their human form, you know, this package of experience and uh, wonderful things and terrible things and, you know, their needs and wishes. I can witness that with kind of a a compassionate neutrality. And then uh, that presence, the gift of presence, the realization that, that everything always has happened Right now, right in this moment, this is when I have the opportunity to connect with you and to connect with your audience Mm -hmm. and to make something actually happen in my life, right? And it's always been that way and always will be that way. And then that my life is showing me why I'm here all the time. Life is not happening to me, it's happening for me so that I can express these talents or skills or, or... wants and wishes, desires, all these things that I have that want to come through me, you know, so that that perspective and that presence and that purpose are probably the things that have changed my life uh, more than anything else, because I'm always experiencing life um, with those three things in mind. In your book, you point out that ancient texts have always been describing their own paths to heaven. How is that important to us nowadays, Robert? Oh, well, I, I think it's fantastic, you know, because of that uh, the gift of presence where, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in some cloud looking at these boxes of time from my life. Mm-hmm. I realize that, uh, that everything in human experience has always been the same. If you and I could be having this conversation wearing togas right now, right? We probably did. We weren't on the radio, but we might have been sitting around... <laughs> in some forum in Greece, uh, having the same conversation. And of course, human experience has the same uh, validity and had the same validity in those moments. When you read that stuff, like in the, in the book, I have uh, the Bhagavad Gita and mm-hmm. the Dhammapada and the, Go- the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas, and then the poetry of Rumi I include too. And looking at little pieces of that text that describes... Uh, this experience of an extra-dimensional spiritual nature and this kind of this kinds of courses or paths to heaven uh, it's quite phenomenal how accurate and how timely they are for us uh, uh, right now you know the ancient Upanishads essentially describe quantum physics it's it's quite remarkable uh, how meaningful even uh, ancient texts can be for this uh, this effect in our life, you know. Another thing, you mentioned experience divine consciousness. How is this different from the uh, neuroscience of consciousness as we all experience it? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's interesting, uh, too, to me, uh, because there, you know, there's been a lot of talk about um, near-death experience being, the, being simply hypoxia yes. or the result of, the, of a brain, the neuroanatomy of a brain shutting down, mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing. And I'm sure that to some degree that is true, and I do believe that each of our brains independently is producing some consciousness uh, to speak of, but what they call the hard question in science is uh, how does consciousness and life animation enter into essentially inert matter, uh, like me, for example, or anything we look at. And uh, I, I believe that brain, our brains, which are still not understood very well, despite all the great advances that we're making all the time, I think our brains are doing much more uh, than we know they are. I believe that they're not just creators of consciousness, but they're also receivers and transmitters right. and projectors of consciousness, because I experienced 
a brainless consciousness, so to speak, where I was part of a larger mind. I was part of a seamless greater intelligence, which I consider to be divine consciousness, and which is called a lot of things by a lot of other people, uh, the matrix or the ground of being, mm-hmm. you know, the kingdom of heaven, God's mind, for example. So what's next for you, Robert? What are you going to be doing next? Um, I'm, I'm very soon I'm going to be speaking down at the Edgar Casey Association for Research and Enlightenment. April 14th, I'll be down there uh, talking about the book and sharing a good time with some other near-death experiencers and stuff. That's in Virginia Beach, uh, April 14th. And I've got a couple other conferences coming up, and I'm always writing on my blog, uh, which is robertkopecky.blogspot.com. And, um, you know, I'm keeping my Facebook author page up to date. And so I'm always trying to be in touch with people and continue writing and continue to try to share my experiences and be of service to people if I can be. Well, our time is coming to an end very quickly, Robert. So what I'd like you to do is uh, let our listeners know once again where they can buy a copy of your book, your website, and your blog spot. Yeah, um, how how to get to heaven without really dying. That's the important part. Yes. And uh, How to Survive Life and Death, my first book, are, are available you know, everywhere. You can order them online, and they're at bookstores. You can order them that way. Um, robertkopecky.blogspot.com. I'm always posting pieces there. and I write for uh, The Mindful Word and sometimes for Gaia.com and other places around the, the uh, Internet. And so you can look for me there. Um, and um, I'm, I have a contact on my website and on my blog. If people want to get in touch with me, they're welcome to do that, too. Robert, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. Always a great pleasure talking to you. And please don't be a stranger. Drop by and see us again. Thank you, Robert. It was wonderful to be here, and I'll do that. You take care, my friend. Exonation Robert Kopecky has been my guest this hour. www.robertkopecky.com and his blogspot is robertkopecky.blogspot.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? 
Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.